0: Southwaves Theatre. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Southwaves Theatre podcast. Continuing my dip into the vast archives of Southwaves Radio and beyond because of the time that we're in, I thought it was a good idea to take a trip back five years to when I interviewed um, Steve Hewlett, the ventriloquist, from Britain's Got Talent, which has just returned um, this past weekend. And I spoke to him uh, in the early days of South Wales Radio because he was bringing a stage show alongside um, fellow ventriloquist uh, Ron Lucas um, to, uh, I think it was um, Eastbourne and Basingstoke. He was bringing it to two theatres there. And I had a chat with him about that and just his love for ventriloquism. Now, obviously, I, I don't need to, to tell you all the stuff, all the shows that he's talking about um, are not not on because they've already been. But I've tried to cut out um, where possible all the kind of topical things. So you've got his enthusiasm for, um, for ventriloquism and his love for Ron Lucas. And my first question to him was what it was like to work with Ron Lucas. South Waves Theatre.
1: Ron was a huge inspiration when I started out as a ventriloquist. And uh, when I did start out, he was, uh, he was quoted from the New York Times and many places he worked in Vegas as the best ventriloquist in the world. And today I still see him as that. He, he's, he's just an awesome master at his craft. And so uh, when I asked if, if he'd uh, you know, toured the UK at any point, he said he'll only do it if I do it with him. So this is uh, you know, it's a dream come true for an actor like myself. Uh, to work alongside one of my uh, inspirations. So I can't wait for this show.
0: Definitely. And uh, you're playing at Basingstoke and Eastbourne. What what made you choose those venues?
1: I always start with these venues. Now, when I, uh, I toured the UK in 2014, I'd done a tour called Thinking Inside the Box. And um, I opened in Eastbourne because I, I now live in Eastbourne. I've been here for 16 years and my wife is here, and uh, she's an Eastbourne girl, and we've got a baby on the way, and we've got a four-year-old girl. So that's all based in Eastbourne. But I was born in Basingstoke, and so uh, I'm basically using uh, where my fans originated from were these two towns, And so before I went on to the TV show. So, uh, yeah, I always sort of start here and finish here, and I've done about three tours now, uh, you know, on a larger scale, uh, where I always involve these towns, because you never forget your roots, which is... Um, uh, important and then uh, Basinfolk was actually where I filmed my DVD actually my first DVD f- uh, on the tour so uh, that they really do um you know sort of it, it's really nice to actually have my family and friends in either venues uh, which is great
0: definitely um how how do the shows go you know do you uh, come on and do 10 minutes and then ron comes on and does 10 minutes or or and then change or how how do you
1: the order has changed a couple of times with myself and ron talking about the show and you know making it work best for everybody and he wanted to make it an equal show uh he's a very modest guy very modest and he's always been good to me i met him when i was 14 when he'd done the ron lucas show in the uk and yeah. um and so you know i still look up to him Well, i'm 40 now, uh, I still feel like like 14-year-old kid sort of, I can't wait to spend time with him. We've got like two weeks together. So uh, we've discussed the length of the show and how the show is always usually about two hours. And so uh, it's going to be slightly different. I'm going to open up the show for half an hour. Like you get a support when you go and see a concert. You get a 20, 30-minute spot from someone. That's going to be myself and uh, I've asked Ronald if he'd do the second half and he's, uh, he's doing the whole of his Las Vegas show which is a treat and it's a 19 minute spot so uh, it is going to be a full
0: two hour show. Although you'd been uh, touring a little bit before obviously you came to public prominence uh, for Britain's Got Talent how do you think uh, your popularity has kind of changed since then?
1: Um, i I've, yeah I've been very lucky to be a successful venturer since I started. So I was 22 when I started, and then it took me 17 years to get an overnight success. So that was uh, Britain's Got Talent, which is the biggest TV show you could possibly go on. It's got the most widest audience for a variety show, uh, and I do think the show has really shone light on variety again on television because a lot of other shows have, because they've realised it's got a big audience. The Palladium show came back, and mm. lots of magic and variety. Uh, and so I think it really has done me good because uh, I've got a younger fan base now and uh, a family fan base, which is what I've, I've always strived for. Um, so it, it's opened a lot of doors for me. Um, I, I've obviously done the UK tour, filmed the DVD, and I'm touring later this year with the Osmonds. It's, it's, um, it's given me opportunities I would never really have had before. So... Um, it it's uh, something that I've really, really enjoyed doing and looking back on. This year is the uh, 10th anniversary of Britain's Got Talent. And uh, I've already filmed an interview with them this year for um, Britain's Got More Talent, itv too. So they're, they're really shining a lot of um, focus on the 10-year anniversary and uh, some of their top 10 best moments. And uh, so I'm quite proud to be part of that.
0: Yeah, it's it's fantastic, and I know you're you're one of the more uh, memorable contestants on that. You can't show.
1: forget someone sticking uh, Simon Cow on the end of their arm. I mean, it's it's uh it was a brave thing to do, I think, uh, if if I can admit, but it's um, it's something that definitely does stick out in people's minds. I, I opened. Uh, uh, helped to open a, a blue plaque for Dora Bryan in Brighton a couple of days ago, and nobody recognized me. I've got a bit of a beard going on at the moment, it's so one of these little cravings that's going on. Mm. Um, and no one recognized me, and then I pulled out Simon Cow for the photos, and I heard a lot of people going, Oh, that's who he is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no one knows who you are until you, you. I don't walk around with him when I go to Sainsbury's or, or any other supermarket. But um, it's it's nice to be incognito, actually, you know, until I get the puppets out because I've got that sort of fame. I think ventriloquists are, are, are kind of, um, you know, they're not recognised until they got their their hand up the puppet. But it's it's kind of a nice way to be, that like, It's sort of semi-famous, you know.
0: Yeah. So when you're planning your show, how do you know which puppets to choose?
1: I, I get so many different, um, and when I say different, I mean diverse audiences. Um, Uh, about three weeks ago I was in Blackpool and I entertained 3,200 magicians and the night before that I was in a social club uh, there was 90 um, uh, uh, football yeah they were football club um, sort of bosses you know so uh, the the audiences can be diverse I've done a few uh, sort of private gigs and social clubs and they've they've had um, you know 200, uh, 100 or, or 30 people I done last week as well uh, you, you tailor your your material, really, to suit the audience. And if there's kids in, then obviously you have to hold back a little bit if, if you're going to be cheeky. Um, but I I kind of look around the audience and think, okay, I'm going to change it that way. And if there's a slight la- slightly older audience, I talk about the venturists that are around. In the earlier days, I like eventually on the radio, and I kind of warmed to their hearts, you know, before I, I bring them in with my up, updated comedy. It's, if you can um, relate to those audiences and get them to like you before you start, you know, just at the beginning, then you, you're kind of on, a, on the same path, the same level, and they can really enjoy what you're saying and hopefully get, get the jokes <laughs> that you're trying to get across. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think when you go out there, the, the audiences are different these days, and there's, you used to have to fight for audiences in holiday parks and things, but um, yeah, every night is different. You could do the same act in the same room. I've done cruise ships where you, you do like two or three shows, the same show, uh, it's the same cruise, but they're three different audiences and one can storm it and one can be completely quiet because they're, they're either they've had a busy day or, you know, it, it does affect the audiences do affect your show. Actually, they can make it better or they may, they can make it worse. But uh, I guess also the judges are for as well. And Britain's Got Talent. It was up to the judges, really, um, you know, seeing how I was going to go on the show.
0: Yeah, um, definitely. I'm sure someone's just tuned in going, they had ventriloquists on the radio. Um, exactly. <laughs> You've got one now. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the biggest ventriloquist was the whole Archie Andrews thing.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, um, he was a success for about 10 years, the 1950s, and uh, the 17 million listeners they had on the radio. But uh, all, all the kids back then, they believed that Archie was a real... You know, a real-life boy, and he he really had a personality. The ventriloquist Peter Bruff brought him to life, and I was um, very pleased to uh, bring Archie back to life. Actually, a couple of years ago, we got to do re-educating Archie, but we'd done a live stage show in Eastbourne, and um, I provided the voice for him, and we had people playing the parts of, like, um, uh, Max Bygrave, you know, the the people that were on that radio show at the time. But the show actually created stars back then. It really made a lot of people famous, If they were on that show, then from then on, their careers would do really well. And so uh, it was a beautiful little, you know, artistry piece, which I really enjoyed to do.
0: Yeah, and in Eastbourne again.
1: And in Eastbourne, like I said, I would have taken it to the Basingstoke, but we've just done three shows in Eastbourne. It was it was a perfect audience for us, and it was a perfect uh, opportunity to, uh, to to pay tribute to Peter Brathwaite. He was a master, and uh, I, I wrote to him just a few years before he passed away. I wrote him a few letters, and he replied to me. So I've got a, a nicely framed uh, you know photograph and uh, letter. I was about sixteen when I wrote to him, but. I, I studied ventriloquism really hard, passionately, when I was a kid, and I wrote to every ventriloquist that was around and for advice, and, um, you know, asking what what should I do next, and
0: uh, Terry Hall, Ellie the
1: Lion, all these ventriloquists sort of got back to me, and uh, some of them just sent signed photos back, but they're, they're people that I admired, um, you know, so there was no internet back then, so I could only read about them, or, or write to them, and, and so uh, they would write back, and It's still a huge passion now. I'm writing a book on ventriloquism, and uh, I'm doing talks in hotels and things. Uh, It's sort of 100 years of ventriloquists uh, from the good old days leading up to, uh, you know, the Internet and and how massive ventriloquism is these days. Mm. You've got, like, uh, Jeff Dunham, David Strussman, uh, Terry Fater, who won America's Got Talent. In the U.K., you've got Paul Zerdin, uh, Jimmy Tamley and uh, Nina Conti, who's doing fantastic. So yeah. I, I'm proud to be on that very short list. There's not many in this country at all.
0: No, it's it's certainly something that's taken off in America in recent years. Now, this show with Ron Lucas, what's it called?
1: It's called Double Talk. This was Ron's idea. We were talking really about um, just doing the show, and, uh, and, he, and he just emailed me back saying, um, I'm looking forward to double talking with you, and uh, I went, what a great title. So... Um, I think he's used it before on a show, so I so I uh, I said, can we use that as a title? And and he said, yeah, let's go for it. So double talk, it's perfect, really, because it's it's a great line for a ventriloquist. But there is two of us doing the show. You you don't get ventriloquists together either. You know, it's it's usually magicians or comedians or singers. Um, you know, when you go and see concerts, but you, two ventriloquists don't really get billed together. So. Obviously, uh, as much as ad- admiration I have for Ron Lucas, um, you know, I you have to try not to be similar at all. And and I've studied him for years. It's very difficult to not, you know, sort of uh, be your idol. But uh, I'm very proud that I've, you know, writing a lot of material, and uh, I've got a, quite a bit of uh, different material since the tour. So people that are coming back to see me. Uh, they'll be quite surprised. I've got some new bits, and I'm quite proud of that. So, uh, yeah, you have to, you know, keep it different. So it was two hours of um, just pure fun family entertainment. So I guess you have to be about 36, 37 upwards, really, to remember the Ron Lucas show when he was here 27 years ago. But, you know, so you'd you at seven or eight years old, people would have been in awe. And I was... Thirteen when he started doing the TV show over here. But um, it, it's going to introduce it to... I know there's a lot of kids coming as well. Um, it's going to introduce it to a brand new um, generation. And Scorch the Dragon, uh, to me, is the, just the greatest puppet alive. Uh, the movements on that face. He breathes fire. You know, he, he, His eyes move, his wings, his ears. Uh, that dragon is just a, a beautiful puppet. And Buffalo Billy, I'm a huge fan of, of Ron's act completely. Uh, he's he's done so much in his career and um, yeah so this is really me paying tribute to ventriloquism and uh, working with a master I really can't wait
0: the ventriloquist Steve Hewlett talking to me on Southwaves radio around 2016 about his show with Ron Lucas and a whole range of other subjects I very much enjoyed hearing that again. Um, A nice little trip down memory lane for me, but I'm not just playing our archive on this podcast. I'd like to talk to people who are out there working. Um, And if Steve, if you're listening, it'd be great to have you on actually and have a little catch up. And I realise that um, like Steve, there'll be loads of people out there right now that uh, that aren't working. And I'd like to talk to you about that and um, what you do when you are actually in work. I've got a couple of people in mind who I'm going to try and contact over the next few weeks or so, um, and hopefully things will be eased. But uh, you know, you just never know at the moment, do you? But if you're interested in coming on and talking to me via phone or Skype, you can email southwavesradio at hotmail.com that's Southwaves radio at hotmail.com you can tweet at southwavesradio on twitter or you can tweet me personally at jamiedyer89 um, it would be great to hear from you come on talk for 10-15 minutes about what it is you do when there isn't a lockdown or maybe you're doing something via webcam there's a lot of people doing that at the moment whatever it is please do get in contact and uh, from me Jamie Dyer I say thank you very much for listening to this archive interview and bye bye for now